Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. We are in the fourth part of our Calling Shotgun uh, series. And in this, we've been looking at the idea of what it means to purposely, on purpose, call shotgun in our own lives. To choose to let Jesus be the one who's in the driver's seat. The one who is leading. And the scriptures refer to this as a spirit-led life. And so you're going to be led by something. Something is driving you. Something is leading you. And whether whether it's your own ambition and, and, and drive and, and vision for the way you want your life and family to be. Or, or whether it's pressures that are driving you, um, whether it is, is the, a fear of, of failure or, or places of trying to fix things that you regret, something is in the driver's seat. Something is pushing you. And the truth is we've all been on this planet long enough to see that uh, a lot of those other pressures they and drivers, they don't work all the way. Even our own vision, our own ambition, our own desires for our lives will end us up in places of dead ends and, and, and tragic spots. And so we need, we need God leading us and guiding us. The problem is, is that can be a little, a little scary. We, we want to, 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 to be the one in control. And so we've been looking, if you're following along with your notes, following along with the, the bulletins, we've been looking at this idea that letting Jesus drive, letting him be Lord, it's honestly the most liberating thing we can do. We think it's not. We think giving up control to him is not liberating because giving up control to anybody else isn't liberating. It's captivity. But giving up control to him brings us into a place of liberty, brings us into a place of freedom like nothing else can free us up. And so we have to, to, to be able to do it. But the problem is, is we don't see everything that we need to see. We're making decisions the best we can. We're, we're, we're trying to, to navigate our lives, navigate our families into, into the right directions, but, but we don't see everything. So we're making decisions on incomplete information and then we end up with incomplete results. And that's why we need the person at the helm who actually sees what's going on, who actually knows how we're built, how we're wired and how we're going to thrive. We need him at the helm because a lot of times we just miss stuff that's kind of important and then we end up making decisions we regret um 20 something years ago i got the privilege of getting to uh, do something i wanted to do since i was a kid and i'd be able to get my, my private pilot's license and had access to uh two uh planes that all i had to do was pay for fuel that's about as cheap as you can fly and so um was able to pursue and get my private pilot's license and was able to do that and get that done and then you know I didn't really get to go anywhere with my with the plane because it, it just 
for one thing, Cutie doesn't like to fly with me, so, so we weren't taking any trips. And, um, but we, I would just go up to stay current, get hours, and just go out to Mathis, jump in the plane, and just fly around the San Angelo area. And so um, then after a little bit, that began to, to just kind of be a, kind of a little normal. So I began to look for a little adventure. And so um, so began to look for some other things to do and had uh, some friends, the Flemings, uh, who lived out toward in Sherwood. So I would go out there and um, decide that I was just going to make a little house call. So I'd buzz their house a few times and just come by, sweep down, and they'd eventually, you know, hear the plane and come out, wave at me and, you know, wave at them out of the plane. It's so fun, little experience. And so do that on a regular basis. And so they got used to, okay, there's Pastor Brandon again. They go out there, hey, Pastor Brandon, yes, you totally interrupted our breakfast. Yes, we're glad to see you, you know, and go back in. And, and so one day I had someone with me and going out for just a little joy ride. And so we head out there and I buzz the Flemings and they come out and they wave and I wave back. And so then we're headed back into town and on the way, of course, it's just nothing but ranch land, farmland. And all of a sudden I see just this really large group of white, just this really big group of white, saw that it was a bunch of sheep, just a, this huge, big circle of sheep, hundreds and hundreds of sheep. And, you know, I, I'm not, you know, a, a farm ranch guy. I don't know exactly what flocks of sheep do. I mean, it kind of looked like just a big flock of sheep, but they were all bunched together. I mean, there was, there was no space. I mean, they're all bunched together and it should have given me a clue on something was going on. And so, but I was like, dude, um, I, I'm going to buzz these sheep. And so, so I go through and I make a round and I come around and I, you know, pull power and I start dropping in and I start coming in and sure enough, you know, um, this big, you know, extra sized, large bird comes down at the sheep and they start to run in every direction sheep can run. So they're just going, we're just like, oh, hell, this is so funny. And, you know, and then all of a sudden we see there's something else in the center that's also white, but I didn't notice it initially. And it was a white pickup with a guy that had obviously got all those sheep to him for some reason. I don't know what he was trying to do, but he had got them all there. And I just sent them running in every direction. And it's just too late. It's just, it's just too late. I just need to finish the maneuver and come up. And I just feel terrible. I mean, I'm in the middle with just full of guilt and just feel terrible that this guy's out here just trying to you know, make a living, do his thing. And I am ruining his morning. I mean, just ruining it. And as I'm just coming by and trying to look oh sorry and he's communicating to me you know there was some there was some ground to air communication didn't need the radio you know some universal understanding I, I was catching he was not my friend um didn't want to go have coffee with me didn't want to visit about it um and so uh you know, and but I could not figure out a way to communicate how terrible I felt. I mean, you, a, a little shoulder shrug doesn't really show up, and so I just feel terrible. And I'm flying away, and just like, man, I've just, I've just ruined this guy's day. This was just so stupid, you know. And the guy with me is like, "That's hilarious! Look at those sheep!" I'm like, "This is terrible." In fact, what I've done is illegal. 
you are not supposed to get that close to a vehicle. And I'm like, I really thought he'd call my tail number in. And I would, I just, for, for like six months, I was convinced the FAA was going to contact me and give me a really big ticket. And so, because that was, that was illegal. And, and so, but my, my problem was, is I made the decision because I didn't understand what was at the center of what was happening. I didn't understand what was at the center of it. I just saw from my perspective and made a decision I thought was just kind of maybe a, maybe a little ornery, maybe a little, but I didn't understand. I was having some significant impact on that guy's day. And who knows if those sheep would ever come together in that field again. They're like, I ain't going. Like He's got to rehome them all because they will not come together ever again in that field. They're just freaked out. And so who knows? And But I, I felt terrible because I didn't understand what was at the center of what was happening. And you and I, we constantly are stepping into a place of of making poor decisions because we don't understand what's at the center of what's happening. And we need someone who has a different perspective, who can see differently than you and I can see. There are spaces where we end up in arguments, we end up in fights with people, and then we go, okay, why do me and my spouse keep going around and around about this same thing? And we're missing on what's actually the central issue. Maybe it's not the thing you're fighting about. Maybe, maybe there's a place of hurt. Maybe there's previous hurts. Maybe there's other things. And if you, we would dare to say, God, I need some help. Bring some revelation. Bring some understanding. I need you to tell us what only you can see. Because what we can see is nothing but fighting, nothing but arguing. We can't get on the same page no matter how much we try because we don't understand what's at the center of it. But we let someone who can see, someone who knows, actually begin to lead and guide and direct into that space. Now we can begin to get some healing. Now we can begin to get some turnaround. Now we can begin to see things genuinely shift. This whole thing of calling shotgun is a space to dare to let the spirit of God lead because only he can see the full picture. Only he can see what's central to the issue. And when we'll let him in, it'll begin to shift things all the way around. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 one more time. Because here as we look at this, Paul writes to the Roman believers and he says, Therefore, I urge you, like I highly suggest, like I am pushing you towards this direction. I urge you, brothers, and you sisters are involved in this. It covers everybody. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, please don't ever not look through the window of God's mercy. We can begin to look at the rest of this sentence, and if we're not looking at it through the lens of his mercy, we'll end up trying to do what he's going to ask us to do. We're going to end up having to do, we're going to do it wrong. We're going to do it from a religious mindset. We're going to do it from a works mentality. We're going to do it from a place of, of guilt and shame and feel like we're having to, to, to fix things and pay some kind of penance, but it's not the case. God's mercy is at work here. So in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer the fullness of your living. You're doing your life. 
part of you doing your life. You chose to be in this space this morning. You value something that's taking place here today. You value it. The teaching, the worship, the gathering, the people, the person sitting next to you. You value something that made you spend some of your living moments in this space. But you spend your living moments in other spaces. You spend them at home. It says offer your home time to him. Your work time. Your unwinding time. How is it that you just, what you do to just let the stresses go? Those times you're, you're living. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is how we really worship. And I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that we have the amazing worship team that we have. I love worship. It is my favorite part of Sunday. I love worship. And so, and I'm thankful for that. But guess what? It is not our actual worship. It's a, it's a part of it. But what it is, it's, it's, it's a place of reminder. You and I get together and then now we've got these songs we didn't write that have words we agree upon that are reminding us and resetting us and resetting the way we think. Because why? Because there will be some, some baggage. There'll be some tension. There'll be some problems that you're having. We all have them. Everybody in this room has some sort of problem you're working through, some sort of something you're dealing with. We've all got them. And there are places where a little bit of a sense of hopelessness can begin to come in or a place of despair can begin to come in. And, and then it can begin to feel like maybe it's a losing battle. And then we have this moment of worship like we did this morning. And, and then it's, we sing something like, the enemy thought he had us. But Jesus said, you are mine. And then in that moment, we're reminded we got together and we're like, maybe that thought was at the back of my mind. But now that I just sang it with everybody else, now that I am just rejoiced with everybody else, that's right. That's right. The enemy, he's trying to get me in a corner. He thinks he has me. But Jesus said that I belong to him. So now I'm going to choose to let him lead me out of this. Now I'm going to choose to call shotgun him to be in the driver's seat and him provide the new way out the the resolution i'm now going to offer my moments outside of these seats as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god and that's real worship that's real worship when you do that Worship here gets us for real worship out in our daily lives. That's what it preps us for. It reminds us for it, refocuses us. That's what it's about. And so we begin to do that and we invite him in to to lead in those spaces and begin to, to change things. But worship, worship is this concept of worth ship. We are going to give our attention influence where we think it's worthy. And so if we're going to give God the fullness of his worth, we have to give him the fullness of us. That is why being a living sacrifice is our actual spiritual act of worship. Simply singing some songs, that's not a spiritual act of worship. Giving him the fullness of you, saying, Lord, you are worthy of me. You're worthy because why? Because you pursued me. I'm giving you the 
fullness of me. Because the truth is, is you're going to give you to something. You're going to give you to something. Now, I'm a, I'm a car guy, and you've probably seen a little something on social media that goes along with this, so just humor me. But I'm a car guy, and, and I tend to like old cars. I tend to like cars from the 60s the most. And, um, and so we have this car that's been my, my dream car forever. And so um, it's coming up with the screen. There it is. There it is. A 60s Shelby Cobra. Just absolute work of art inside to out. Just absolutely beautiful. But there it is. It's sitting in somebody's barn, somebody's garage. There's like a lawnmower or snowblower or something sitting right next to it. It's all dusty and dirty and just mess. And, and, and so we've got that. And so we're just going to imagine, um, you know, that some distant uncle, you know, um, you know, passed away. And, you know, we're, we're very sad about that. And, um, but, but, you know, he, he said, you know, I've left you the contents of my barn. I've left you the contents of my barn. And so you go and you open the barn, you know, you're like, okay, you know, um, open the barn. And then there it is. There is this, this, this Shelby Cobra. And you know, you don't know much about cars and you look at it and you're like, okay, well, that's kind of, it's kind of cute, you know, and you know, but it's not practical. I can't go to the grocery store in this thing. Can't do carpool. Can't do those things. And so, you know, unk, you know, I appreciate you and all, but I'm going to have to sell this thing. You know, this just, is not practical for my life. And so I'm going to sell it, you know? And so then you decide, you know, I'm just going to put this thing on a trailer and just kind of take it out. And you drive down to the, just the closest little town to the barn and, and, and you pull in to Hoopties R Us and, and, you, and, and, you, and you talk to Billy Bob at Hoopties R Us and he's like well you know that's kind of a cute little car there you know and I, you know, I don't know much about the old things but uh, I'll give you $8,000 cash for it right now and you're like eh, you know you know I don't know I, I, I feel like for 8000 you know I'd just rather just maybe keep it and but that's kind of a decent offer and I could do something without $8,000. And then he's like, you know, well, if that's not good, I, I, know this, I know this old boy that likes old cars. And so send, send you down the street to this old boy that likes old cars. And so you drive it over to him and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It, you know, looks like it's in solid shape and, you know, it'd be a good little date car for, for me and my wife. And I tell you what, I, I bet it's pretty solid old car. I'll give you $25,000 for this car. I'll give you 25 grand. You're like, ooh, okay, well, I could do something with 25 grand. And, and then you're like, I don't know and and then all of a sudden um word got out and there's somebody that knows what this car is and knows its value but doesn't value you they don't care about you and they come and say look don't sell it to him sell it sell it to me and i'll give you a hundred thousand dollars right now for that car just sign the title and i'll give you a hundred thousand dollars for that car right now you know, oh my goodness, man, that hundred thousand—that's some legit money. Oh, you know, th- thanks, thanks, Unc. You know, wow, I didn't know what was, what was going on here. And then there's a place, and then finally you pause and go, huh? If this guy's so fast to give me this hundred thousand, maybe I ought to investigate. Maybe I ought to look, and then you find out. Oh, wow, wow. Okay, just baseline for an original Shelby Cobra. It's gonna be half a million dollars. This is this guy was gonna make four hundred grand off of his generous offer of a hundred thousand dollars, you know. And then a lot of these cars are going for seven figures. They're a million dollar car, and 
You look up and the first one that rolled out of uh, Carol Shelby's factory recently sold at auction for over $13 million. The most expensive US made vehicle ever to cross an auction block. So, but the problem is, is in each one of those spaces, if don't understand the worth, we may end up making a trade that doesn't pull out the fullness of what it's there. And sometimes those places, those the, the most convenient things, the things that come at you the easiest and the first, that's it's the lowest offer. You gotta have some patience. You've got to wait. And really what you need to do is you need to find someone that doesn't just understand that's worth, but understands your worth. They're not just looking to take advantage of you, but also to be able to pull the full value of everything. And the only place, the only place you're going to find that is with God. The only way you're going to find that is with God. You're like, Pastor Brandon, how, how, how do you know that? Well, because I know the price he paid for you. I know the price he paid. If you don't know any other scripture, you're going to know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you and for me. And as much as I would love a Shelby Cobra, I wouldn't trade one of my sons for it most days. I would not. But God, he was willing to give up Jesus for you. So in that, we need to understand that if we're going to place the fullness of our worth, our worship, we're going to place the full, it needs to be where it's, our value was understood as well. And the only place, the one who made you, built you, designed you, and then died for you is the only place you're going to be able to make that trade. And to be able to do that, then you've got to go into verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. We've got to renew our minds. Why? Because our minds start out broken. They're broken by just life experience. They're broken by the lies of the enemy that come in and begin to tell you you're this or you're not this and all of those different places and we need the spirit of God to renew our mind and then we can begin to see what his good, pleasing and perfect will is. The reason we don't want him to be in the driver's seat is we're not convinced that the direction he's gonna take is good, pleasing and perfect. We need to shift into that space. John 14, one says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. The opposite of this troubled heart is this place of peace. And the Hebrew word for peace is this word shalom, which means nothing missing and nothing broken. How beautiful is it that the Jewish people greet one another with this word of peace that is a declaration over the other person of I want nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. And you and I, we say hi. <laughs> or in this way, howdy. But they're declaring over one another, nothing missing and nothing broken. You know where your lack of peace comes from? It's from something being missing in your life. 
and something being broken in your life. God wants to bring peace into our lives. God is the only true source of peace and he grows it in our hearts and minds, also known as the soul, which Pastor Keenan did a great job of setting that up and covering that last Sunday. If you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. His peace is a gift, but we'd have to not let our hearts be troubled. Why? Because we are giving ourselves to something. And if we are give ourselves to him, then he will give us that place of peace. Paul says this in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Why? Because there are those two places of tension. If we do not let his peace rule, the default is our hearts will be troubled. You can't generate your own peace. You've tried. You've tried. You can't generate your own peace. We have to let it be given to us from God. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. That's why we need our minds to be renewed. Why? Because our brains, man, they'll just go off crazy. They'll just go off on a tangent that's just not life. We need our minds controlled by the Spirit to direct us in where we're called to go. Isaiah 32, 17 says, The fruit of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Just remember that Jesus is our righteousness. Righteousness isn't us doing everything just right. Righteousness is receiving the full righteousness of Christ, placing our faith in him. Our righteousness has been imputed to us. It's been given, granted to us because what Christ has done. See, the sacrifice of Jesus has provided peace. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed this is why communion is so important because every time we remember his body broken his blood spilled we are remembering that he's paid the price almost every time we do communion we're doing it with all of these concerns, fears, woes going on in our heart, and then we remember. This reminds me, he was pierced, he was crushed, he was broken, so that I could have peace. If I will lean into his completed work, I can live in his completed work. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it's our Lord Jesus Christ. When we let him be Lord, that's where we find this place of peace. Through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We go, you know what? I don't know how it's going to turn around, 
but God is gonna get glory out of this. Whatever it is I'm dealing with, whatever it is I'm walking through, whatever it is that's trying to rob my peace and carry my mind in an unhealthy direction, God is gonna turn this thing around and he's gonna get glory out of it. If I will let him drive, if I will let him lead, he will carry us in that direction. See, allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way we think, it keeps us in the lane of peace. But we have to let him change the way we think. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Like back to trusting God, bringing about peace. And Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. There are just some situations you're not going to understand. And if you're waiting uh, for peace to show up, for you to understand, you're never going to have peace. That's the whole thing. We have a miraculous God. We have a God who makes a way where there appears to be no way. So if we're trying to have peace because we can see how he might make a way. No, we're not going to see it. He's going to do things only he can do. He's going to shift hearts only he can shift. So we can't wait to understand to have peace. His peace transcends all understanding. And that peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then we get into this space. That since we, our thoughts are going in the wrong direction, we need his thoughts to carry us in the right direction. Well, that's correction. And Hebrews reminds us, you and I. We don't like correction. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Who've been trained by it. You know what? I have no problems following Google Maps whenever I'm in a town I've never been in. If I'm in a town I've never been in, I've got no problems with following Google Maps because I don't have a preferred way to go. I haven't figured it out. But if you try to use Google Maps in San Angelo, you're like, Google, you're stupid. <laughs> like, I don't know how you decided that this is how I'm supposed to get over there, but that is the dumbest route ever. Like, I can go so much better going this route. But you know what? If you just parked that thing and you just drove the route that Google Maps said, you know where you would get? Where you were planning on going. You would get there. See, that's our little win window into our tension with God. We have the way we think we want it to go. And he says, I'm going to take you this way. And you're like, God, I don't like that route. <laughs> no, this route's better. Lord, I need you to do some recalculating. Bless my route. Lord, I've chosen. I want you to just bless my route. And we're going to go my way. He's like, mm-mm. This is, this is where the actual blessing is. This is where the actual blessing is. See, the title of this message is Detours and Potholes. And you've been driving around San Angelo, you've been having some detours and some potholes. And we've been get, and it's frustrating because we know how we want to get somewhere. But something has disrupted our path. This is our life, folks. And that's why we need to let him lead. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, as we close. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants hope to just flow out of you. He wants it to drip out of your pores. He doesn't want you to just have a little flicker of hope in your life. He wants it to be a contagious kind of hope, but it's only found, we only get to that space when we trust in him. Our bottom line is this, is peace is knowing that God can be trusted. We let him in the driver's seat when we believe we can trust him that he's really going to get us where we need to go. So I want to create a moment right here. I want to create a quiet space where we can begin to place our faith in Christ. I'm not creating a moment where you can decide that you want to be a part of Celebration Church. This isn't a moment where you can decide that even that you're going to be a Christian. When you choose to make Jesus Lord, you will be a Christian. Today we're choosing to just let him be Lord, to let him drive. We're not even deciding to choose to start over and to try harder and to do better. If we'll let him drive, we will find ourselves doing better. The tension is whether or not we're going to let him lead. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.